to a church in the valley, Diamond Bar. I say Diamond Bar because I have not been here since October, and some of you are thinking, who are you? Well, my name's Alex Barrett. I'm the executive pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I spend most of my time uh, heading up the Alhambra campus, which in one month would have been launched a year, if you could believe it. So a year ago, uh, we launched the campus, and we're really thankful for what uh, God is doing there in Alhambra and experiencing the growth and people coming and uh, experiencing Church in the Valley uh, for the first time. And again, just thank you all for all the, the work that you've been doing at the Diamond Bar campus to free up all the people at the Alhambra campus to do uh, what God has called us to do in that new area. And so I'd like to welcome uh, all of you here. Uh, like Matt mentioned, we're continuing a message series called uh, Catalysts, which looks at what is, taken, what, what is needed for our faith to grow. And what are the things that, that God uses for growth to happen, not just uh, temporarily, but actually over the long haul of life. And many times when you look at growth strategies in a certain area, uh, you look at all the effort that you need to do to bring about growth, to bring about improvement. And so you have a lot of self-improvement plans. You have a lot of things that you need to do to bring about the results that you want. Uh, spiritually, the case is a little bit different. Uh, there's something that we actually need, and God takes that, and He actually grows it. And so our spiritual growth isn't entirely put on our shoulders, we actually have God himself who desires growth in us. And as you dig into the scriptures, you find that God is actually a God that doesn't want us to be isolated trying to figure out how to please him or trying to figure out how to grow spiritually by ourselves. He actually is directly involved in our growth. And he is a father, and that's why he's interested in our growth, because he loves and cares for us. Uh, yesterday, um, we celebrated my son's fifth birthday. And as I was looking at him, he's five years old, I was thinking all the things that he needs in his life to become the man that God wants him to become. And sometimes you look and you think, where did the five years go? And at the same time, like, we have a long way to go for him to become a man. Uh, but ultimately, I realized that part of my role as his dad is to show him the things that he needs to do. I need to train him. I need to help him. I need to love and encourage him. And oftentimes, as a parent, you see that you have a key role in the growth of your child. And it's the same in the spiritual realm. God is so concerned with our growth. He cares for us deeply. And as you dig in the scriptures, like I said, you, you get a feel for the heart that he has. Uh, there's a letter in the New Testament which describes really the God who works on our behalf to grow us. And uh, in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, you get a picture of, of the God who's at work. And it says, now to him who is able, that's God, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. That's his power. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And so we're talking about faith catalysts and five things that God uses to grow our faith. But as we look at these catalysts, and we're going to dig into the first two today, I don't want us to get focused on the catalysts themselves because the catalysts are really tools that God uses, but it is God himself who brings about the growth. It is him who, out of his love, has wired life so we actually can figure out how to please him, we can figure out how to live for him, and he actually guides us in that process. And so it's really God who's at work. He desires growth for us. And so today we're going to look at how God uses uh, Sunday morning teaching 
to grow your faith, and how God uses the private disciplines, the reading of Scripture and prayer to grow our faith. And faith, like we talked about last week, is really the idea of having confidence in God. And confidence is needed in any relationship. If there's no confidence, the relationship deteriorates. But faith is saying that I have confidence in God alone. He is the one that can make me into the person that I was made to be. And so when you say you have faith in God, you're saying that I trust Him. I have my confidence in Him. He is the foundation for which I can stand. There's no cracks for which I will just collapse on. And that's what faith is. And again and again in scriptures, you see that God wants that confidence in him to continue to grow over your life. There's never a point in which we should stop growing our faith, and there's never a point in which God stops working things together so our faith will grow. And the two really go hand in hand, God's role and our role. And so as we look into how God grows our faith, it really is this idea of how do I place my confidence in him above anything else? And the five things that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks are really based on the experiences of many people. And if you yourself have faith in Christ and you've seen that he's made a difference in your life, you'll probably see that some of these catalysts are similar to you. When you look at the things that have helped you grow, the things that have challenged you and encouraged you, that have kind of helped you go from where you are to where God wants you to be, you'll find that these catalysts are probably true for your life as well. And this is how God has designed spiritual growth to work. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is the idea of practical teaching. How does God use practical teaching to grow your faith? And if you're like me, you hear the word teaching and you think classroom and you think maybe flashbacks to when you're in high school, to when you're in junior high, elementary school, and this classroom setting comes over you. And if you're like me, teaching equates learning, but I was one of those learners that wanted to learn exactly what I needed to do to get the grade that I wanted. Or what do I need to do to get the grade on the test? So I start asking, like, what's the test on? So I'll learn the test so I can get a good grade on the test. And I would have those epic cram sessions with flashcards and strategies, and I would learn all that I learn. I take the test, and I just dump all of it on the test. I leave the classroom, and if somebody say, what was your test about? I would say, it was like on science, I think. And I have no idea because it was just like merely factual information that I just got on a piece of paper so I could get a good grade on test. That's a lot of times how our, our approach to learning is. What's the minimum we have to learn to get the grade or to accomplish just what we want in that specific situation? But see, a test in school is on a specific subject, but in life, you actually don't know all that you're going to be tested on. There's many things that come up that you don't know. And so learning in the spiritual realm is a lot different than just trying to prep for a test. And that's why practical teaching is something that should actually help us in life. And there's three parts to teaching that I want to look at. The idea of learning from somebody else. And that's the content that you learn about. There's the learner who's receiving the content. And then there's the the teacher who's presenting the content. And all three of those things work together for us to learn. And that's true spiritually as well. There's content that we're dealing with. And in this case, when we talk about the content of teaching, it's, it's the Bible, it's the Scriptures. And the good news is, the Scriptures is actually transformational. It's more than just facts 
about a certain area. It's actually a different way of looking at life. It gives a lot of perspective. It gives a lot of tools. And it actually is designed to help us live the life that God wants us to live. And so the content of teaching and the content that God used to grow our faith is the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are reliable and trustworthy for us to actually place our confidence in because they're God's Word. So just as we have faith in God, we actually at the same time need to choose faith in the Bible, the faith that the truth as it is presented is what we need to figure out life. It has enough of what we need to actually learn how to live the way that God wants us to live. And then you have the learner. Who receives the information? So it begs the question, for me to actually take in the content of the scriptures that God wants me to take in, specifically on a Sunday morning setting through teaching, what are the things that I need to do? Have you ever thought to yourself, how can you prepare to learn from somebody else? Have you ever thought about that? Oftentimes when I go in a setting, I'm not thinking about how I can prepare to learn. I'm thinking like, I hope they have coffee. I hope it's good. I hope it's somewhat entertaining. I hope it's short. I'm hungry. Got to go to lunch. You know, I hope it ends on time. Hope my kids enjoy it. There's all these settings that we come in, come into church, right? We have a certain expectations. But very few times I come in thinking, what can I learn today? I don't think that. That's in fact a key to learning is actually preparing yourself to learn. Coming in with a mindset of wanting God to teach you something that you did not know or relearn something that you have forgotten or get challenged in something that you actually did not think was true. God uses all that as we deal with the content of the scriptures to actually transform and grow our faith. So if you're like me, you have to kind of undo some of the classroom learning that you've experienced. But I want you to think about this. Do you remember a time in school where you actually was taught something that you actually cared about? You may have to think back a long, long time. And I'm not talking just like nap time in kindergarten. But like, did you ever encounter content that you thought, I could actually use that? I remember for me, it was eighth grade, and I took a cooking class. And I, I got to admit, at first I was a little like, do any guys take this class, right? That's what all the guys think in junior high. Am I going to be the only guy in this cooking class? And to my amazement, I wasn't. I was very relieved. And in this class, we started learning how to make breakfast. And I remember the first time I thought, this is key because eventually, if I don't know how to cook, I will not eat. And if I do not eat, that's not good for anyone, right? And so my learning was supercharged. I really cared about it because it actually helped my life. We learned to make cinnamon rolls, right? Enough said. You know how to make cinnamon rolls. Your life is actually better than if you don't know how to make cinnamon rolls. And for the first time, I saw that I actually received content that changed the way I looked at learning. And you should have seen it. We're all junior hires. And you know, junior hires, we're a little skeptical. We're a little squirrely. But ultimately, we don't know what we're doing in our life yet. We're in junior high. But you should see all of us, we were fired up. We're like, look at the scrambled eggs, and we're just, and look at the cinnamon rolls. And the teacher was just giddy because she saw a group of students who were so thrilled to learn. And that's really how God is. When we get to the point where we actually want to soak up the scriptures, and we realize that it's not just boring information. It's not just history that we believe is true or not true. It's actually something that changes our life. 
And as we see that and we prepare to learn, as we prepare to receive what the Scriptures say to us, it actually has the power to change us because God is working with the truth that He's provided to make a difference in our heart, make a difference in our minds so that we actually see things differently. So how do you prepare to learn? There's a handout in your program I want to just refer to, and I'm going to go over quickly. But I want to, we wanted to provide this just as a reference for you. If you ever want to think through, how can I prepare myself to learn what God wants to teach me on a Sunday? We provided this handout. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but it just has some key tools that you can try just as you come week to week. And so how to make the most of teaching on Sundays. If you pull that out, you can use this as a reference. You'll see a, a, a scripture there, John seven seventeen. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That was Jesus. So here's some things that you can do to kind of discover the will of God and begin to bank your life on it. First is, choose the attitude of a learner and ask God to help you hear what you need to hear. Oftentimes, the drive from your house to church on Sunday is preparing you for the exact opposite. You ever experienced that? It's like a Sunday morning can be the most stressful times. Or am I the only one in here that experiences that? You know, you come on a Sunday and you sit down and you're ready to sing and all of a sudden you're like, that was like the most stressful day of the week. And then you remember like Sunday's the first day and you're thinking, what is the rest of the week gonna look like? And oftentimes we're just, we're stressed out. We're pulled in different directions. But if we can ask God to give us the attitude of a learner and to hear what we need to hear, God will come through. The second, don't deflect instruction by thinking, I'm doing perfectly fine and don't need to learn anything. Or, I already know, know more than those people. In a specific content or area, that could be true. But there's still things that you can learn in any area, even if you've heard it before. Number three, don't put a high priority on the entertainment value over the truth and principles being presented. You know, in Jesus' day, they actually had no fog machines. Did you know that? You think of like our entertainment culture. Like what role in video did Jesus use before the Sermon on the Mount? You ever thought about that? He didn't. He's like, look at the cows they're eating. Let's start, right? There, that was the role in. Look at the animals. I'm making that up. That's not in there, okay? So check what the teacher says. It wasn't in there. Uh, but there, there wasn't this just overwhelming mass media. Because entertainment is not what the value is. The value is actually the content in which you hear what you learn. And number four, don't develop ways to remind yourself what God has said so you can do it. Like any learning, forgetting is very detrimental. If you cannot remember, you cannot do. If you cannot do, then it doesn't really stick. Number five, make it your goal to listen to God's corrections. You ever been just listening on a Sunday or somebody's just telling you about something that God's doing in their life, and as you're hearing them, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How'd they know exactly what was going on with me? Like, as they share, it's like God is using that to speak to you. That's what God does. He uses people and their experiences. He uses the scriptures. And all of a sudden, you hear things that are the exact thing that you need to hear. So you accept that. It could be something that God just wants to teach you, encourage you, challenge you, correct you, and accept it as you listen. Number six, be willing to give up your personal ideas that are challenged rather than seeking affirmation for your own views. Number seven, Come to church diligently seeking God's wisdom expressed in his word, the Bible. 
And we're not going to be perfect here every week. Oftentimes we're tired, we may be stressed, we may be just thinking about all the things that we have to do today, let alone the rest of the week. But in this period that you sit and you interact with people, is there something that God may want to speak to you about? And practical teaching is what God can really use to get that into your life. And so you want to think through, what can I do as the learner? But there's also a responsibility to the teacher. And on the connection card, we're not going to ask you to kind of give a grade to me today, okay? But to everyone who teaches the scriptures, we have a responsibility to teach it in a way that actually helps the hearer, that actually helps the learner. And as you dig into the scripture, you actually see what the goal of teaching is. And the goal of teaching in, in the church is to equip the people for life and ministry. It's to equip the people for life and ministry. And there's a passage there in Ephesians I want to read that says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so you see a picture there of the, the different roles that people play in the scriptures and in the church. And in the church, you find that those different roles have different flavors of responsibility. But ultimately, you find there in the, the, the last part, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there's this, there's this, this idea that the teaching needs to equip. It needs to give you tools so you practically know how to live out the Word of God. And that's so at Church in the Valley, you may have seen that we seem to put a lot of emphasis on practical how to take the scriptures and actually apply it to your life. And that's because that is what equips you for life. As you learn to apply the Bible to your own life, you actually see how God works in the things that you face, whether that's your finances, whether that's your parenting, whether that's your work. The Bible has a way of showing us what to do in those specific areas. So our job is to give you a, a picture of what that looks like. So you can grow. So you can take what you've learned and actually live it out, because as you live it out, that's where maturity comes. In fact, in the scriptures, you find that the emphasis is always on taking what you learn and applying it to your life. That's what the emphasis is on, because that's where maturity comes, and that's actually where our confidence grows, because until we decide that what God has said is true enough to live it out, we don't really have confidence in him. If we're just full of knowledge but are not living it out, we really don't have confidence in God. We may have some confidence in the ideas, but like anything, unless we actually take the step to do it, our confidence is not as big as God wants it to be. And he continues to stretch us, and that's where our faith gets stretched, where we decide that we'll take the word of God and we'll actually apply it to the situation. And sometimes that's like the exact opposite of what we want to do. Specifically in like the finances, like to be disciplined, to actually honor God with how we handle our money. When I first learned about money, that wasn't what I was thinking about. I was thinking about how can I do what I want to do so I can be happy. But as you dig into the scriptures, you find that there's actually a different view, there's a different way. 
And the goal is growth and maturity. Rick Warren wrote this just about the purpose of, of teaching. And he says, the ultimate goal of preaching is not information. In fact, giving people greater knowledge of the Bible can cause pride to develop in our hearers rather than humility if the information isn't translated into obedience. And the goal of preaching is not merely instruction either. Preaching certainly includes instruction, but there is more to preaching than mere behavior modification. The goal of well-rounded preaching is transformation and obedience. So again, how do I take what I've heard and apply it to my life? And again and again, as you hear something for the first time, or you hear something and it just challenges you, God is using that, and He's using His Scriptures to test your faith. Will I do what God says in a specific area? So I want to encourage you, just think through, how can I prepare to hear from God what he wants me to hear. And you can use that half-page sheet this week just as kind of a way to prepare. And I, and I encourage you to do that. I want to move on to the, the second faith catalyst that God uses, and that's the private disciplines. And these are the things that we do when no one is watching. Oftentimes, no one is checking on, but are crucial to growing spiritually over the long haul. This is really how I connect with God. And in the new year, oftentimes we're thinking through uh, self-discipline. How can I be more healthy or how can I have a better budget or how can I do this better than I did this past year? And so oftentimes the, the idea of discipline is kind of in the forefront of our radar. But discipline actually in the scriptures is always aimed towards godliness. That's the discipline that actually lasts over time. Now, discipline in every era in every area is, is beneficial. But ultimately, godliness is what lasts. Not just here, but, but it takes us on into eternity because we're getting to know God. We're spending time with Him. If you're like me, you kind of think of faith and discipline and you're kind of like, how do those work together? Well, like any relationship, there's an amount of boundaries that has to exist. If you're in a marriage and there's no boundaries and there's no self-discipline and everyone just does what they want to do, that the marriage, will, it will fall apart. The same is true in our relationship with God. If we just think we can connect with God and continue to do what we want to do, the relationship deteriorates as well. So there's an amount of self-discipline which actually God uses to limit our freedom so we actually can do what He wants us to do. And the first part is, is how do I get into the Word of God in my own life as regularly as I can so I can actually change from the inside out? How can I do that? And so what we're talking about is the spiritual disciplines, and spiritual disciplines are, are actually expressions of our dependence on God. You read the Bible and you pray because you realize that you need God to interact with your life in the here and now. If you don't read your Bible, there's lots of reasons why that may be, but ultimately, when I don't read my Bible, it's because I think I don't need to read my Bible. And as I peel back the layers, the reason I may think I don't need to read my Bible or take the time to read my Bible is because my confidence is in me. My own ideas and my own self-sufficiency for the day are good enough. 
God is always challenging us to realize, like, okay, wait a second. Do I really want to place my confidence in me? Do I have what it takes to handle the complexities of the relationships I'm in, the demands of work that I experience every day? Do I have enough to actually do all that I'm needed to do? As I look at my own life, I realize, no, I don't. And when I realize the confidence in myself is a lot shakier foundation, then I first realize that's what pushes me to spend time with God. Because I don't want to walk on thin ice. And oftentimes when I put confidence in myself, that's what it's like. You're walking on thin ice and eventually it breaks and you fall through. So when we spend time with God, you're not tested on that. And when we pray to him, no one's asking you, but God sees where we place our confidence in. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, don't beat yourself up for your lack of time, but admit to yourself that you're placing confidence in you and ask God to help you put confidence in him. And as you do that and you just acknowledge that before God, he will give you the desire as you take steps to seek him. And so they're expressions of our dependence. Uh, doing what God says, it actually builds the right foundation. That's what I've been talking about, the thin ice. You don't want to live your life on thin ice. You don't want to live your life on the sand of something that's just going to sink. You want to live your life on the rock, the word of God, God himself. Luke 6, 46 through 48 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. It's using the analogy of a house. What it's saying is if you actually build your life on the word of God and you live by it, you're building something that will last. You're building something that when the storms of life come, the trouble, the pressures, things that cause anxiety, you actually have something that's going to survive the storm. And that's why the confidence in God is so important because only God can bring us through the different things that we experience, the different pressures that we face. So Jesus, he just draws a line in the sand. Why do you call me Lord? Why, why do you say that I'm the boss? As if you're going to do what I say, and then when I tell you to do it, you don't do it. Why do you say that I'm your guide, but when I guide you, you don't listen? He's just drawing the line in the sand. But wait, wait, we've always called you Lord, Lord. He's saying, well, you call me Lord as you actually let me speak into your life, as you actually take me serious, as you actually follow what I've said to do. That's the relationship, not a title, but your follow through. So he just cut to the chase with the people at the time. And it's the same to us today. Do we trust him enough to actually do what he says? And if not, what is there that's causing us to not place our confidence in him? And God wants to show us that so we can begin to turn that over to him and to place our confidence in him alone. 
So God wants us to call him boss and at the same time as he leads us to follow him. That's the relationship. And that's how we actually experience authentic change over the long haul. Uh, the, the second discipline is, is prayer. And this is really us communicating with God. And prayer is an expression of our confidence in God. Have you ever thought about this? You actually need faith to pray to God. Right? Because when you pray, you're acknowledging that you really hope someone is listening. Right? We don't just pray hoping that the words somehow get caught by someone. We, we pray to God. We hope He hears us. And so it's an act of faith. It's confidence enough that we're willing to say something hoping that He hears And as you grow more and more, you realize that this is true. It's continually an expression of our confidence in the one who answers the prayers that we give him. And you may have a variety of experiences of how God has come through or not come through for you. But again and again, through prayer, we have to admit our need for him. We are showing that God here is what I have on my plate. Here is what I'm concerned with. Here's what's weighing me down. And I I give it to you. I I need your help. It's a conversation. And, And really, again and again, it's not to inform God of what's going on. He knows. It's actually a step where we become less self focused and more God focused. And that's why the Lord's Prayer, this idea of your will be done, not, not my will. That's why it's the expression of confidence. It's your will, not my will. You dialogue with God. Matthew 6, 6 through 8, gives some more instruction on prayer. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Again, these spiritual disciplines, these are the things that no one sees except God. Says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's the confidence. I'm not enlightening God. He already knows. He already sees. He is ready to help. And prayer is recognizing it's not the eloquence of the words or the expressions that I say. It's the fact that I'm pouring out to God whom I don't see, knowing that he's real and he knows what I need before I ask him. And So God wants to grow that confidence in him. As we include him in our thoughts and in our emotions and the things that we're going through, it's just we're, we're taking the time not try to figure it out on our own. We're acknowledging our need for his input. We're acknowledging our need to just bring him into our world. And that's what prayer does. It takes the focus off of me and my strategies and gives it to God. And so the prayer and reading the scriptures, this is the thing, those, both of those can carry your faith and grow your faith into the future.
Because that's how God speaks into your life. And then the teaching, God uses what you hear and what you're learning to catalyst that as well, to catalyze it. So he, he uses all these working together. And oftentimes that's the case. You may hear something on a Sunday morning, and then you read in the Bible, and it's kind of talking about the same thing. And all of a sudden you get this just this thing that's pointing towards this one general area that, you know, that's what I need to hear. That's what I need to do. And you pray to God, God, help me to do this. I know that this is your heart. I know that this is your desire. And all those things come together. And as you take a step of faith, it begins to grow. Because God works through those things to stretch us. So my prayer for you and for me is that this year, we'll identify the things that we have confidence in beyond ourselves. We'll see the things that we depend on other than God. And ultimately, that God will begin as we take steps to get to know him better through reading the scriptures and through prayer. And as we come ready to learn, that that God will take that and actually transform us from the inside out. Uh, There's a quote uh, by George Mueller that is so simple, but it's helpful. Uh, George Mueller walked with God for many years. He started orphanages in England and needed money again and again to fund these orphanages. And he committed to, to not asking for money, but only asking God through prayer for what he needed. And again and again, God provided. This was like the testimony of his life. So he's like a spiritual father that really set the pace in, you have faith that God will come through. And he says this, be assured if you walk with him and look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. That's the picture of faith. And that's my prayer for us as we this year decide what we will place our confidence in. Uh, Let's pray together. As soon as I'm done praying, Matt is going to come back up and walk us through some next steps. God, I know I I have personally experienced the fact that you have not failed me. And many times I have depended on a lot of other things besides you. And I, I confess that, and I know looking back, it's when I admitted that and when I decided to turn to you that, that I actually had hope that was real and I actually got help from you. And so, God, I, I just ask that for each of us, uh, whether for the first time we'll experience having confidence in God who does not change, in you who, who do not fail us, or if it's just a renewed sense that we've depended on other things and we need to depend on you, God, help us to just see any next step that we need to take and help us to learn what we need to learn to live the life that you want us to live. And we ask for your help in the name of Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you were encouraged by that. I was. Uh, If you could take out your connection card again that was in the 